I'm Arthur. And I'm Susan. This is the Parent Talk Podcast. Managing the challenges of daily parenting. Thanks to our founding sponsor, Naturopedic, the nation's most trusted source of organic and healthy sleep products for your children. You can visit them at naturopedic.com. That's naturopedic.com. Welcome back to Parent Talk. Today we've got a topic that some might find controversial, but Susan, I feel, is all too common uh, when your child says he hates you. So, you know, how could that be a nice thing to talk about? And I'm sure all our listeners are thinking, well, my child would never say that to me. They love me. So how could someone who loves you ever say they hate you? And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Well, Arthur, I'm going to tell you that the child saying I hate you is almost inevitable once you have a child that can actually put those amount of words together in a sense. <laughs> it's going to happen. And of course, it doesn't mean that your child really hates you. Of course, your child loves you. So parents say, but why do they use those words? And I'll tell you why. And that's because they're human beings. And that means that they have a very, very wide variety of emotions. In fact, the same emotions that adults have. And I think every parent out there listener, every adult can say, hmm, there might have been one or two times in my life when I was really upset at something and maybe I swore or I slammed a door or I put my fist into something that I shouldn't have. It's an emotional outburst. So you have to get yourself separated from the words, those horrible, hurtful words, I hate you. So what I advise parents to do when a child says that is for the parent to take a deep breath, take a step back and to think, what does this really mean? My child is not really saying I hate you, but what are they actually telling me? One thing I'd love to do as we set the stage for this, Susan, is I'm sure you'll agree we're talking about situations where a child is in a safe home and there's no actual trauma occurring. Certainly in situations where there's harms being done, it's a totally different discussion. But we're talking about loving situations where in the course of normal parenting, a child stands up one day and says, I hate you. Do you mean like when a parent says, no, you can't have a second popsicle? <laughs> <laughs> or, or no, the TV is going off now. We've had enough screen time. <laughs> Which brings us to one of our favorite distinctions in parenting, the difference between trauma and disappointment. Yeah, we are definitely talking about disappointment here and not trauma. I think that's an extremely important point to make. Thank you for making that right now. So popsicles and TV clearly our disappointment is almost like a comedy routine. You know, this is disappointment. This is trauma. But there's nothing funny about trauma. And we don't really talk so much about parents abusing their children because it's a complete different realm to go into. It's something we'll be talking about in future episodes. But when a child says, I hate you, we're talking about the child who's disappointed, not the child who's experiencing trauma. Exactly right. So how do parents normally respond? Many times they match the child's anger, which is very easy to do and it's a natural instinct, but it's not the best way to do it. So a parent can yell, don't use those words, or they can say, go to your room until you can talk to me properly, or they take away a privilege, like they say, okay, no iPad tonight. Or sometimes they'll say, okay, I hate you too. As minute it comes out of the parent's mouth, trust 
trust me, the parent wishes like a hole would open up and they could dive in because they know that it's not the right thing to say. But when you're in that moment, when your emotions are matching your child's anger, it's sometimes hard to keep in mind. And that's why we spend a lot of time when we speak to parents about the importance of taking that step back. It's better for you to have no response for 10 seconds, 30 seconds, a whole minute or so than to say something that you're going to regret. So if a parent can take that step back and say, what is my child really saying? They are very angry about something. Sometimes you don't know what it is, but probably in way more than 50%, you know exactly what it's about. So if the parent can say something like, Boy, those are really angry words. When I hear you say I hate you, I can tell you are really mad. Then you stop and you catch your breath and the child has a minute to absorb what you've said and to understand what you've said. Now, we're talking usually about three years old. That precocious two and a half year old could be there too. But they're usually three, four, five in this stage when they're saying that. So they can really understand what you've just said. Sometimes some children will say, oh, you're right. I'm so angry about that. And then you can say, you can always tell me how angry you are. Your feelings are your feelings. I won't ever tell you not to be angry. But I will say that in this house, we don't use words that hurt other people's feelings. And when you say, I hate you, that really hurts my feelings. So we need to find another way for you to tell me how angry you are. And then we can figure out how to make you feel better. And you can figure out how to make yourself feel better. Remember, that's always important. They're the ones who generated the emotions. They really have to be the ones who help to self-regulate and to regulate those emotions down. You know, we're nearing our uh, 40th podcast, and I'm wondering if regular listeners recognize a pattern here. When you advise parents to take a step back and catch their breath and not react with their own emotion and then help the child understand the child's emotion. Doesn't that sound an awful like what we do around toilet training and sleep and in particular discipline? Don't get angry at the child for breaking the rule. Observe what the child did. Share with the child why they probably did it. And then in that moment of agreement with the child, have the child come up with a different approach. And I think it speaks to something we learned in our episodes with Andy Garner, which is this whole concept of regulation. You know, someone taught me that the best way to know if you're regulating your emotions is the all or none test. In this situation, the child says, I hate you. Do you flash into the all mode, which is you get just as angry as your child? Or do you have no reaction and do nothing? If you're going all out with your emotions, or if you're complete withdrawn and have no emotion, that's a sign you're not regulating your emotion. You're not living with your emotion and managing it. And what you're recommending is what we talk about when we talk about regulating your emotion, thinking about what you're doing with your emotions and dialing it up and down according to what the situation requires. That is absolutely beautiful, Arthur. Thank you for adding that. I think that what people who are opposed to this don't understand is that people who are doing this approach in an appropriate way, in an effective way, absolutely have boundaries. They absolutely have disciplinary actions. And by mean by that, I mean logical consequences to their child's actions. What we don't have is punishment. And many, many, many people feel that children cannot learn without punishment. And we're really talking about discipline, about teaching a child to regulate their emotions and to accept the fact that there are some things that they can't do at certain times or can't have at certain times. Yeah. 
punishment sort of going all in. You're not dialing up and down your emotional response. Those who really promote punishment feel as though when a child violates some boundary, some rule, then everything has to come crashing down on their head. They have to feel some pain. If they don't feel pain, why would they not do it again? Whereas what we're saying is, if you inflict pain, you've changed the subject. Exactly. The child's not thinking about what they did anymore. All they're thinking about is the pain you gave them. It doesn't solve the issue of whether they like you or not. And they don't think about, is that a good way for me to talk? They don't learn from what they did. What they learn is that you are a source of pain. That's a lesson. We don't think it's a very good lesson. We don't think it leads to a lot of learning on the part of the child. And it doesn't lead to kids who follow rules any better either. It doesn't work very well. We've seen this time and again. What it does is it accelerates the heat of the argument. And I'm going to give you something in between. I was just speaking to a parent and their child has even gone beyond I hate you and they're hitting the parent. And that happens. This child is actually like three and a half, I think. And he would hit his parent and the parent would stop the action. That's very appropriate because, of course, hitting is never allowed. Of course, that means that you can never hit your child. You can't tell a child there's no hitting in my house and then you give him a smack when he's not compliant. You have to know that you can't say those words unless they're true is no hitting in your house. So she said, I would send him to his room and I would put him in a timeout. So I said to her, what do you think he's learning in his room while he's sitting there alone? And she said, well, he's learning not to hit me. I said, well, he's learning that if he hits you, he gets sent to his room. And that part is true. But how is he, what do you want him to do next time? Because I want him to not hit me. I want him to use his words. Is that what he's learning when he's sitting alone in his room? Who's helping him as he's alone in his room? He's just building up a little bit more steam, getting a little angrier, but he hasn't learned an alternative to the hitting. It's the parent's job to help that child learn an alternative to the hitting. I said, let's try it this way. When your child starts to hit you or does hit you, you know, you can grab him by his hands gently enough that he don't hurt him, but forcibly enough that he understands that this is not allowed. You can say that hitting is never allowed in this house. And then you can say almost precisely the same words as you say, if a child said, I hate you, boy, when you're hitting me, I see you are really angry about something. And I said to the mother, do you usually know what it is? And she said, I always know what it is. You know, it's exactly what we talked about. Some ridiculously small disappointment in his life. And I said, then you can say, boy, you are really angry that I took the iPad away, that screen time was over. I get that. That made you mad. But hitting is not allowed. We need to figure out something else you can do to tell me how you feel about that. I would love to hear about your feelings, but I won't let you hit me. You see, there is a boundary. There is a very strict and very real boundary there, but the child needs to figure out an alternative. And some kids figure it out themselves. Other kids need a little help. For some children, it may be getting a crayon and drawing an angry picture, even if it's just scribbling. If they're older, they might even draw a picture of their mother taking away the iPad. If they're younger and they don't have the amount of words, they may want to punch a pillow or stamp their feet real loud and say, I hate it when my iPad is taken away. The mother can even do the voiceover, so to speak, to help that child understand that the anger isn't the problem. It's the hitting that's the problem. I hope people appreciate this very important moment in these examples you're sharing with us, Susan. And so far in all these examples, the first step is the parent tries to take a stance where they're paying attention to their child's needs, not their own needs. There's a common reflex we all have that if our child gets us upset, we attend to our upset. 
And a lot of people feel, so that's a good guide. A lot of parents use how upset they are to gauge how serious their child's transgression is. But that's a wholly different approach to things that we're talking about. We're saying, of course, you're going to have your emotion. Talk that over with your partner. Talk that over with friends. Your child's not there to help you manage your reaction to things. You're the grown-up in the room. You're actually there to guide the child. And child's counting on you that no matter what they do, you're steady. You're steady in the ability to attend to what's going on with them and to teach them and to help them learn. You can't teach and you can't help someone learn if you're running around the room screaming. That is so true. And I also want to emphasize the fact that when a child is that out of control, that they're hitting or yelling, I hate you. Yes, there's an anger, but there's another feeling too. And that's a feeling of feeling very frightened, very out of control. No child really likes that feeling of being out of control. And they absolutely need you as the parent to be there to guide them. In fact, I will say to parents, if your child is hitting you, you may even want to put your arms around them, not to give them like such a loving hug, but a hug to like envelop them and let them know, I'm not going to let you hit me, but you are safe. You can trust me to help you get your emotions back in control. Sending a child to a timeout, you're taking yourself out of the equation. And this is one time where the parent needs to be part of the equation. They need to be there for that support and guidance. A child's response to that, just extraordinary. We've seen it countless times where children really rise to the occasion. They love having their parents help them through a tough jam. And they're receptive to learning in that situation. It's just as a beautiful thing to see the child's response to that sort of care. You know, Arthur, when we're talking about this, something else that parents feel that they have to do, they feel that they have to extract I'm sorry from their child for calling them a name or trying to hit them or whatever. Do you think we have a moment or two to talk about why forcing a child to say I'm sorry is a pretty useless exercise in parenting? For sure. Absolutely. It's such a valuable discussion to have because I think we've all been there as parents. We've all thought this isn't settled until they say I'm sorry. So many parents, so many even teachers that that I've worked with feel that this is an important aspect. And I just like to shift the thinking a little bit. First of all, some children will say, I'm sorry, too easily. They hit somebody and they said, but I said I was sorry. Like that absolves them from anything that they did to this other child. I said, I'm sorry. Isn't that enough? We don't want to teach children that because just saying I'm sorry is often not enough. Or you have a child who digs his or her heels in and they absolutely won't say, I'm sorry. And the parent says, you can't leave your room till you say, I'm sorry, or you can't have dinner. And this kid has a pretty strong will, and they won't say, I'm sorry. And then where are you? You're at loggerheads. You are in a lose-lose situation. And we've talked about one of these lose-lose situations. They're not pleasant places to be in. A famous example is we talk about toilet training. And if you think that the whole point of toilet training is to get your kid to use a toilet, all the kid has to do is look at you and pee in their pants and you've lost the fight. So if you define a struggle in a way that the child can always win, guess what? That means you're always going to lose. And I think this I'm sorry thing is a great example of that. We don't want to hand children the power, but we want to empower them and empower them to make good decisions and decisions that will help them feel good inside and more competent and more confident. And that's a big difference. There is a difference between handing the reins of power over to a child or empowering a child by saying it's okay to be really angry and to have those big emotions, but we need to find another way for you to tell me how angry you are. That's empowering a child. 
that's quite different. And I'm not saying that the child shouldn't make amends. In fact, that's sort of the basis of the don't say I'm sorry, but you have to make amends. Look, you hit your sister. She's crying. Now, it's your job to make her feel better. And that could be, you know, cool washcloth on where he hit her to give her one of his toys to play with, to draw her a picture, an I'm sorry picture if it's I'm sorry. The idea is that the child needs to think. It's not a simple like reflex. I'm sorry. It's really thinking what's going to make that person feel better. I hurt their feelings. I hurt their body. It's their job to make amends. That's not the easiest piece of parenting, but I will tell you that once parents get into the groove of having a child make amends, they will be amazed. They will be able to wean themselves away from the process and that child will learn to do that all on his or her own. You know, I hope our listeners really appreciate the powerful distinction you made there because in one scenario, the I'm sorry is something we're begging our children to do for me, the parent. In another scenario, we're framing it as an exploration. Okay, my child, what can you do with this emotion? You ask the child to come up with their solution to their difficulty. And in that setting, if they come up with saying, I'm sorry, that's an okay, I'm sorry. Exactly. Because now the child is satisfying a need the child has, not a need the parent has. And if you're waiting for someone to satisfy your need, you can wait a long time. If you're helping someone else satisfy their own need, well, that's a very natural process that kids are very responsive to. They love it. And I will tell you, I was working with a group of teachers. This was many years ago and it was a pre-K class. So the children were four turning five. And the teacher said, that will never work. This kid is aggressive. Well, it took about 10 or 12 minutes to work it through with this kid because nobody had ever given this child the option of making amends to somebody. But he worked it out. And the funniest thing was the little girl that he actually hit, she stood her ground. He said, I'm sorry. She said, that's not good enough. <laughs> he went on and on and on, like all the different things he could think of. He needed a little prompting from, I was modeling this. But at the very end, she agreed to getting the cool washcloth on the part of her arm that he hit. And the teacher was like, I can't believe it. They were very calm during this. It wasn't a very difficult thing to watch. Their emotions were not running high. This little boy was thrilled thrilled to be given a chance to make amends for something that was an outburst on his side. So I really encourage parents to help their child make amends as opposed to just forcing that I'm sorry. But that sort of leads into one of the last things because we're running out of time. Sometimes a parent, and this does come into where people get criticized for gentle parenting or conscious parenting, they try to avoid conflict because they feel sort of overwhelmed by their child's anger. I know that that is something that every individual has to deal with, but when you don't when you don't lay those boundaries and understand what they are and the child understands what they are, what's going to happen is that that child is not going to stop at the first boundary. They're going to push and push and push until they do something that's so inappropriate that the parent has no choice but to come down and set that boundary. But now so much has been lost. If you can do it at the very beginning, even if it means having to have this conversation with the child, in the short run, it's hard. But in the long run, I can absolutely guarantee you that you're going to see a change in the way that your child begins to regulate their own emotions. I think a good place for us to wrap up a uh, episode devoted to living with the emotional life of your child is that concept of a room and a wall. We all like to know what room we're in. And we travel and we're in a new room. We like to know, you know, how big is the hotel room or how big is the tent? People like to know where their space is. 
And emotionally, we have space too. Children need to know where their walls are. And I think one of the things that is universal to all children is that they will provoke their parent until they see a response because that's the only way they know where the limit is, where the wall is. And the wall's different in Germany and Brazil and the east side of Cleveland and the west side of Cleveland. It's very much a, a function of what our culture is, is what really bothers your parents. And kids all seek that. They won't believe it until they see a response. And so that's the other thing to keep in mind as we wrap our, our discussion. When a kid pops up and says, I hate you, they're also looking for that wall. Where's, where's the limit? Where's the appropriate boundary? Our approach essentially teaches the children to know where the line is and how to manage approaching the line. If I can give one very brief takeaway, most children will lash out at their parent, either verbally or physically, looking for that wall to see where the wall is. But it's the parent's response which will make all the difference as you go forward. Great place to end. So thank you all for tuning in again to Parent Talk. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening to the Parent Talk podcast. You can find back episodes and send us your parenting questions at parenttalkpodcast.com. And don't forget to visit our founding sponsor, Naturepedic, at naturepedic.com.